Welcome to the Statesman Journal's Explore Oregon podcast. I'm your host, Zachary Ness, and in each episode, we highlight Oregon's most beautiful and interesting places. This podcast is brought to you by the American Forest Resource Council, supporting responsible forestry on public lands throughout the Pacific Northwest. Learn more at amforest.org. We're also supported by Visit Tillamook Coast, a land of ocean and forest just an hour from the Willamette Valley that is focusing this summer on the best way to care for its forest, beaches, and waterways through a promotion that emphasizes cleaning up and leaving no trace. We'll dive into how they do that just a little bit later in the show. Finally, the Oregon Parks and Recreation Department encourages Oregonians to enjoy parks safely this summer. If you're camping, please follow campfire safety guidelines, such as keeping the flames from your fire to no more than two feet in height and using fire rings provided at campsites. And please use local wood to avoid bringing invasive insects into the parks. This will help preserve the health of Oregon's forest for seasons to come. Learn more about campfire guidelines, including current restrictions at stateparks.oregon.gov. All right, in today's episode, we're continuing an annual tradition of having on Hike Oregon author Franziska Weinheimer to celebrate the beginning of summer. In this episode, it's all about the state's best backpacking trips, and we'll get into 10 of our favorites and everything you need to know about the season. But first, here's some guitar music to get us rolling. All right, today is always a fun episode because we've got the return of longtime friend of the show, Franziska Weinhyper, to the podcast. She is the owner and operator of the excellent website Hike Oregon, and we've kind of established a tradition of podcasting just as the summer gets underway to talk about stuff that's coming up. And right around this time, and it's a thrill to have her back. So hello, welcome back. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me, Zach. Today, we are going to focus on all things backpacking. We're going to talk about where the snow level is right now. We're going to look at the outlook for wildfire season, and we're going to hear about Hike Oregon's new booklets on hikes near major towns. But the main event is that we are each going to pick five great backpacking trips, so 10 total that you should consider heading into the season. I think last year we did summer road trips. The year before, it was navigating the new Central Cascades Wilderness Permit System. So this year, you actually picked backpacking trips. So why'd you want to go with those this, this time around? Okay, so every year around this time, like beginning of June or so, I get I start getting flooded with emails, messages, and like social media comments asking for recommendations for backpacking trips. And so I've over the years, I've created like a lot of content website articles and YouTube videos about this. But due to the wildfires, the list of trips I recommend seems to change every year. So I thought it would be a cool idea to chat about some of our favorite backpacking routes so that this way when folks have questions, I can just point them in the direction of this podcast. Yeah, I mean, that's a great point because it seems like at the beginning of every summer, because of wildfires from the previous season, you know, there's stuff that's closed, there's stuff that's changed. I mean, I wrote a book back in 2017 and, you know, published it then. And now I think 15% of the trails that I highlighted in that one have either burned or they are like closed indefinitely. So I think it's a great wow. idea to like come back, you know, look at, take a fresh look at things at the beginning of summer. And that's what we're going to do now. So let's start a little bit with snow level. You know, this is obviously important for backpacking just because it's all about what's open. And there has been a lot of snowmelt lately. Um, at one point, if you remember not that long ago when it was snowing all the time, Oregon actually had the best snowpack, like the most snow in the mountains since 2008. But it has really disappeared in a hurry this May and early June. It's been hot out. Um, it's been dry. My read on the snow level is that it's pretty much gone in the Oregon mountains between about 4,000 and 5,000 feet, or it's open to that level. So San Am Pass is pretty clear. I've seen some of the Eastern Oregon mountains have looked fairly clear around that level, 
been to mountaintops at about 4,500 feet, pretty clear. So what have you seen? Because I know you've been out doing a tour of Central Oregon and looking at this. So where do things stand snow level wise? Yeah, that's pretty much what I've been seeing too on the west side of the Cascades. I'm still finding patches of snow at around 5,000 feet or so, especially in the trees. Um, It's a little bit different over on the east side of the Cascades. I drove the Cascade Lakes Highway on June 1st, and most of the major trailheads like Green Lakes and Devil's Lake, they still had like three to four feet of snow. So you couldn't even drive into the parking areas yet. Um, But the snow is melting really, really fast at this point with all the warm weather. Um, I received an update from someone who went up there June 5th, so just a few days after I was there, and she said that the trailheads were already completely melted out. Um, But just because the trailheads are melted doesn't mean the trails are. So um, popular trails like Green Lakes, South Sister Climbers Trail, they still have tons of snow on them. And um, the lakes and destinations like that are still frozen over, usually until early to mid-July. Yeah, I mean, anytime you go in June into the higher country, you know, it's you never know exactly what you're going to find. Like you can do all your homework. You can even like call the ranger stations to get like what you think is the best information, but ultimately like you might be surprised. So that's just kind of part of the June backpacking experience. If you're going to go, you know, above 4,000, 5,000, 6,000 feet. So, okay. So we get, we're on snow and that does lead a little bit into the preview for wildfire season. It's something that I write about a lot. Uh, every year. I mean, wildfire season has basically become (laughs) half the job (laughs) at some point. But in general, I am feeling okay heading into this season. Uh, We had that good snow. We had, you know, some pretty good precipitation in spring. And so the consensus is that fire season is going to get pushed off, especially in the higher elevations until at least mid-July, maybe late July. So I'm feeling pretty good about the first start about the first half of, uh, of outdoor season. There's also some nice signals that we'll have fewer lightning strikes this year compared to last year. Last year was actually one of the highest lightning strike counts since 2014. So that often leads um, to wildfires, obviously. And the question this year is really going to be about August and September. It's always a crapshoot, but the incoming El Nino weather pattern does favor really warm conditions, and that might start having an impact by late summer. And if so, things could get really crispy and then kind of all bets are off. But in general, (laughs) fire danger in Oregon's mountains this year, including the Cascades, are at normal levels. And that's in contrast to Washington up north, which has like high wildfire danger across the board. And then California, conversely, where fire danger (laughs) is a lot lower than it's been in the past. So it's almost like things have flipped compared to what we're used to. Oregon is almost exactly right in between. Uh, Like it's Not great, but it's not that bad. So overall, conditions are better now than they were to start the summer of 2021, 2020, 2019. So I'll take it. That's I'll take it. You got any any wildfire thoughts? Yeah, I mean, the the lack of spring, like late spring rain has me Mm -hmm. a little bit concerned. Um, And those really high temperatures we had in May were alarming. And I was like, this is not good for summer. This is not good for wildfire season, but um, temperatures have seemed pretty mild the last few weeks. So if it stays like this through like Mm -hmm. mid-July, I'm not too worried. Yeah, I mean, it's it's always a total crapshoot, but it was like we were headed for this amazing start to the season like it was going to be great. And then it stopped raining and just hasn't rained for like a month. So that doesn't that doesn't help. But again, I, I don't know, like I'll take it. I guess that's that's where we're going (laughs) to land here. Okay, so before we jump into the backpacking picks, at Hike Oregon, you now have these little booklets that feature hikes around major Oregon towns. Uh, So what do they showcase, and then why do we need these? (laughs) Yeah, so being an outdoor writer yourself, you probably get this question a lot. The, what's your favorite hike question, (laughs) right? (laughs) Um, I can never answer this question because honestly, it depends on where I'm currently at in the state. So if I'm near Bend, my favorite hikes are going to be much different than if I'm near Medford or Eugene or Florence. So um, instead of taking like a whole year and a half to write another big 
state encompassing guidebook, I decided to put together these little booklets called Hike Oregon's Favorites near whatever town. So the first one I came out with is Hike Oregon's Favorites near Eugene, because that's where I live. So it was the easiest and quickest one to put together. And it features 10 hikes that are with one hour drive of town. Um, so this is great for people visiting the area as well as locals who just want to go hiking but don't want to take up an entire day with like a two-hour car ride each way and all of that. So the next little booklet should come out around November and will encompass the Florence and Yahats area. Gotcha. So are you going to do basically every town in Oregon? I mean, I not every single town, but... Yeah, some of the major ones for sure. Yeah. Okay. Well, I think that's that's a that's a great suggestion because it's nice when you you know when you're traveling to a new area, you like Yahats or something like that, and you're just like, ah, I'm not sure about everything in this area. And when you do the the website searching, like you get a million different ideas and stuff. So I like the idea of like site specific little guidebooks. Yes. So that's that's a cool idea. Yeah. Um, all right. So we talked about snow. We did a little on wildfires. We got into the booklets. Anything else you want to hit on before we get rolling? This is going to be you know, third year of Central Cascade Wilderness mm. Permits. And there's a few changes, but it's basically the same system coming back. It feels like people are getting more used to it. There's still a lot of people who are like, I will never get a permit, you know, never. But <laughs> I feel like people have gotten a little bit more used to it. What's your what's your what's your take on permits this year? Yeah, I I feel I'm kind of getting that consensus as well. There's those few people that are just like, nope, never doing that. I'm not going to get a permit. I'm just going to go hike. Um, but I think those people are few and far between. Yeah. Most people are getting the hang of the permits um, and like when to get them. I think that was a little bit tricky the first couple of years was like the rollout, the seven day rolling period and people were very confused on on all of that but mm -hmm. i think people are getting the hang of it they're knowing like when to get the permits when the good days are when they're available um so yeah i think i think they're becoming more accessible to people yeah and i think the thing that i came across last year was if you can't get the permit for like the the most direct trailhead to get to your destination i actually have kind of liked going from the alternative trailhead yeah that uh, maybe they're like a mile longer, but it really, it doesn't change the trip very much and it can make it like more fun. Like going to the right. Matthew, going to the Matthew lakes, um, in the three sisters, like I couldn't get the main, you know, the closest trailhead. Like it's just mm -hmm. always booked up. So I got like a random PCT trailhead that was like a mile and a half away and there was plenty of permits there. And it was actually a more interesting hike and backpack in there. So I kind of, I don't know, like it, I'm going to like be like, this is the best thing ever or anything like that. Like, I'm not ready to go that far. It's <laughs> sort of become like an interesting little puzzle to solve. Like, it's like I've just viewed it as like a challenge at this point. Yeah, I I also have noticed that the trails, obviously, that's the whole point of this permit system, but they're much less crowded. Yeah. Um, it, I, I think a lot of the time people purchase the permits and then don't go. I think half mm -hmm. the time that ends up being the case so you think there you know if there's 25 permits for this day hike you think there's going to be 25 people or 50 people on this hike mm -hmm. um but you end up seeing like 10 of them right yeah so yeah, totally. i think that it's really helped the overcrowding yeah I, I mean even when it's sold out it never feels sold out and right. i guess yeah and i mean i guess the best part of this has been like like i go backpacking with my two daughters um a lot and just knowing that you're gonna have a campsite yes is the biggest it's the biggest plus <laughs> like that's that's the biggest upside because i mean i i mean if you're backpacking with kids and they make it all the way there and then you can't find a good campsite it's like the worst thing ever so that that yes. that in and of itself has probably made me a convert to it because i did think like they just went too far with it mm -hmm. with, there were just too many permits it was too complicated but look i don't know you know change is hard and you get used to it um so that's basically where i am right now yeah all right so let's jump into the good stuff that's enough about permits and wildfires and stuff like that you ready to start talking about backpacking trips let's do it
let's get rolling with backpacking trips. So you are the guest. So why don't you get us rolling? What is your first pick? Okay. So my first pick is a Pacific Crest Trail section here in Oregon from Ashland to Fish Lake. And this is one of my favorite sections of the Oregon PCT um, because you can do it relatively early in the season. Mm. So in 2021, I did this section in mid-June. And it was absolutely stunning. There were tons of wildflowers blooming everywhere. The weather was gorgeous and not too hot. There was plenty of water and no one else was on the trail. This section is 55 miles long, so pretty, pretty long for the average backpacker, um, weekend backpacker. But if you want to do less mileage and still see like the stunning early season wildflowers and great views, you can start at Callahan's Lodge in Ashland and just go up to Hyatt Lake, and it's 25 miles and would be the perfect length for a weekend backpacking trip. Oh, I love that. I love that we're starting out in Southern Oregon because like we talked about, actually the Southern half of the state has is doing better than normal. Like there's, they got more precipitation, they got more snow. Mm -hmm. And so this is a great year to go to Southern Oregon. Yes. And if you haven't experienced Southern Oregon, it's it's so fantastic. You got to spend time down there. A number of my picks also highlight the Southern half of the state. So I just feel like it's a good time to do that. I'm curious about this one. I mean, what were your big highlights? Were you seeing Mount McLaughlin all over the place? Were those the big views? And how was the mosquito? Yeah, you can. Um, so you can see Mount Shasta, actually, mm. for the first part of it. Um, and then the wildflower meadows are just epic. Um, there's a beautiful campsite that has just an incredible view of Shasta and Pilot Rock. Like you're just basically right next to Pilot Rock and you can see it and these wildflowers and then Shasta in the distance. And you can watch the sunset and it's just absolutely magical. Um, the mosquitoes kind of start getting you um, around like Brown Mountain area. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, come come prepared. <laughs> um yeah. But yeah, I mean, just the views. And then there's that section of like where you're hiking through lava rock, yeah, which is yeah, really yeah. cool. Um, and then, yeah, you get those epic views of McLaughlin and it you get everything. You get the wildflowers, the views, you get beautiful old growth forest, um, and then you end at Fish Lake. I mean, it's it's pretty awesome. Okay, cool. Well, one of the places that you go through um, is actually going to be one of my picks, but that's going to come a little bit later. Um, so, all right. So I'm actually going to stay in this area for my first pick. So my first pick, um, I looked at my backpacking trips and I noticed a lot of them are really July to late July or August or September trips. I mean, maybe because of the higher elevation, you need the snow melt. Maybe it's because of those mosquitoes that we mentioned in the Cascade Mountains where, I mean, I like to go in late August and September to the Cascades uh -huh. um, just because I'm a, I'm a mosquito wimp. And again, often traveling with daughters that don't want to get all bit up. So I wanted to find some great late June backpacking trips. Um, and so I decided to head back down to your area just a little bit to the West. And that is in the Klamath Siskiyou mountains. So the places I'm going to recommend are what I call the state of Jefferson wilderness areas, which means they are right along the Oregon and California state line. In some cases, you can literally hike from Oregon into California on the trail. So I'm, I'm claiming them for Oregon in this case. So anyway, the places that I'm going to mention are the Siskiyou Wilderness, the Red Buttes Wilderness, and the Marble Mountain Wilderness. So all three are within striking distance from Ashland or Cave Junction, and they're spectacular. The, Mar the Marble Mountains definitely have the best backpacking terrain of the group. I cannot recommend the Sky High Likes Basin and the Marble Rim high enough. It's incredible wildflowers, craggy lakes. If you've never been to the Marbles, it's worth a trip down there. And again, this is a good year for it. My personal favorite spots are almost all like right on the black of the border between Oregon and California, and they are raspberry lake and devil's punch bowl in the siskiyou wilderness and then azalea lake in the red buttes and azalea lake is the one that i mentioned that you can actually start up in oregon hike across the state line into california and you're there we have an older podcast uh, episode 41 in fact that goes into greater details about these trips but the areas themselves are remarkable so it's worth taking out a map looking at the siskiyou the red buttes and the marble mountains especially planning out some kind of trip because they're great and they tend to open up late June, early July. And 
do call the ranger stations to check on that snow melt because it is, you know, a bigger snow year down there, which is a good thing, but can also may push it back a little bit later. Uh, also, if you didn't catch the state of Jefferson reference, uh, that's just a nod to the fact that Southern Oregon and Northern California have been trying to form their own state of Jefferson since like the 1930s. And the area has a very distinct vibe, which is why we call it the mythical state of Jefferson. It's not real, but it almost feels real when you're visiting. <laughs> so um, that, is my, awesome. that is my first pick. All right. So where are you taking us with number two? Yeah. So I'm going to head into the month of July. Uh, so early July can still be kind of early to like head into some of the higher areas, especially in the main part of the Wallawas. So I'm going to take you out east into the Wallawas. And uh, last year, I discovered the west side of the Wallawas. So generally, people, when they think of the Wallawas, they think of like Eagle Cap and the Lakes Basin and that like central part. Um, and early July is is sometimes too early to go in there. There can be a ton of snow, sketchy river crossing, stuff like that. So last year, around the second week of July, I went to the west side of the Wallawas, and this area was just a rainbow of color from all the blooming wildflowers. It was incredible. There's a lot of little loops you can do in this area, but the trail that I highly recommend goes from Moss Springs Trailhead down to the Minim River, and then up to Stanley Cabin. I would definitely break this up into multiple days because the elevation gain here is kind of brutal. So from the trailhead, it's 7.6 miles down to the Minim River, and you lose about 2,800 feet of elevation going down. Then there's this beautiful campsite by the river. You can spend the night. Um, you can head into Minim River Lodge if you want for like an epic dinner. Um, if you don't want to eat your backpacking meal. Um, and then from there, you take the Minim River Trail and um, just for a little bit, and then you head steeply uphill on the Bear Minim Trail for 5.6 miles. In those 5.6 miles, you gain a whopping 3,800 feet of elevation. It is absolutely brutal, but the views and the wildflower meadows are some of the most beautiful sights I have ever seen in Oregon. And then you arrive at Stanley Cabin, which is this little cabin um, that sits in a field of yellow wildflowers. It looks like something out of a storybook or a painting. It's incredible. And there's tons of flat camping spots all around this cabin area and lots of little trails and viewpoints to explore while you're up there. Wow, that sounds great. Can you cut weight a little bit, like as far as what's in your pack? Just because you mentioned the lodge, uh, you mentioned this cabin. So, I mean, like if you're carrying that pack, like can it be a lighter pack uh, given you're stopping at some of those places? You could. Yeah. Um, I mean, you could. I think you can have dinner and breakfast at the lodge if you wanted to. Mm -hmm. um, you can also sleep at the lodge. It's very expensive, but if you want to do some glamping, <laughs> you could rent a room in the lodge or they have little cabins as well. Um, the Stanley cabin is locked, so you can't like sleep inside it or anything like that. So you uh, probably okay. still need to bring a tent. Yeah. Okay. I'm curious about the Minim uh, River Lodge because I've, I've seen it and I think they've, they've like offered to to have me out there a few times but we try to like it, i think you're right like it's it's pretty expensive and it's kind of a like a i don't know it's a fancier experience if 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 i yes. if i recall and you know i'm not sure how many people can afford uh the rates that they charge but it, it looks really cool so you're saying it's, it's it's worth like getting food there but maybe not staying there overnight yeah so uh, when we went there, they were actually closed for a couple days for a staff retreat. Otherwise, we would have spent the money to eat dinner there because they, you know, they grow a lot of their own food. They source, obviously, local uh, meat and stuff like that from nearby ranches. And it just, I mean, the food looks absolutely incredible. And um, yeah, it's, I think it's less than a hundred dollars. I, I think think I recall them saying like 80 something dollars for like a five course dinner meal. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, so, it, you know, it's relatively for what you're getting. It's relatively 
you know, inexpensive. Um, I don't know about the breakfast, but I know that, um, yeah, to stay there, it's, it's quite expensive and people like fly in with airplanes yeah, and stuff. That's, that's, that's what I remember. This, so. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's, it, it's that's fine. Cool. That's, that's great. Like I, I, you know, no shade to, to the lodge for, for doing that. And you know, for some people it's like a bucket list trip. So I, it, 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 I've just been curious about that. So I was, I was yeah. kind of curious about it. Cause I was like, well, probably not putting that on my list. Cause it, it costs a little bit too much, but I'm still like, that still looks kind of cool. So anyway it does yeah and it's just a cool stop if you just wanted to stop in and Mm -hmm. you know have a cold beverage sure sure (laughs) after you know on your way back maybe um if it's really hot out and whatever just stop in um for a cold beer or something like that before heading back to the trailhead well and i'm always curious about places like that where you have those like kind of wildernessy lodge type places like i always think of the rogue river trail which isn't one that Mm -hmm. i picked but like you can actually just stay in lodges like you can backpack like the 40 mile trail and stay in lodges at every stop instead of instead of camping and you can cut weight that way and you get these amazing you know this food and stuff like that but you know the price of the trip you know definitely goes way up compared to camping so right always always a calculus This message is brought to you by Visit Tillamook Coast. On the Tillamook Coast, we've cared for our forests, farmlands, beaches, and waterways for generations. It's in our DNA, and we bet it's in yours too. While visiting, help us care for our coast. Place trash in garbage cans, pick up after your pet, stay on trails, respect private property, and follow beach fire rules, which means extinguishing fires with water while also checking local rules to avoid igniting wildfires. Tillamook Coast welcomes your visit, and we hope that you'll become a temporary local while here. A few ways to do that include pitching in on a beach cleanup or taking a guided kayak tour to hear about ways to protect bays and rivers. There are science hikes to take, nature preserves and marine reserves to explore, or you can visit a farm, a commercial fishing dock, or even stop by a fish hatchery. Find out about all these options and how to care for our coast at tillamookcoast.com slash caring for our coast. Once again, it's tillamookcoast.com slash caring for our coast. I'm Sarah Gavori with American Forest Resource Council, and we're proud to sponsor the Explore Oregon podcast. I moved to Oregon because of my love for the outdoors. It also inspired me to go to law school and pursue a career in environmental law. At AFRC, I have the pleasure of advocating for science-based forest management throughout the West. Protecting our public lands helps achieve important conservation goals, including clean air, clean water, and robust wildlife habitat. It also helps provide renewable, climate-friendly wood products that we all depend on. We strongly believe that active management of our public lands is the right thing to do for the environment, for the economy, and for our future. Learn more about AFRC at amforest.org. Okay, well, I'm going to jump into my second pick here, and I'm going to keep us out in eastern Oregon mountain ranges, but I'm going to head to a range that is a little bit less well-known than the Wallawas that you were talking about, and mm-hmm. I'm going to be in the Elkhorn Mountains, uh, just outside Baker City and Grande. The backpacking route I'm going to recommend here is the Elkhorn Crest Trail, and it's 23 miles one way, and there's a bunch of different ways to do it. Um, but basically what it is, is it's it's a really unique trail because it it stays, starts high and stays high, basically tight ropes along the top of the Elkhorn Range. And then there's little side trails that drop down into really, really beautiful lakes. Traditionally, it does open up by July. That's, that's usually the start to the season. And uh, Anthony Lakes is kind of the base camp for it. So that's the best known place. There's a ski area there. It's a pretty cool commercial ski area there in the winter. And in the summer, there's lakes there. There's a campground. 
and even like a little old cabin that I got to rent once. So this is a very cool area to make a base camp. And then if you have kids, you can do the easier stuff. But if you want to do the backpacking trips, get out on the Elkhorn Crest Trail. I would recommend uh, if you're doing the entire thing, you can start at the high points. You can start at 8,000 feet at Marble Pass. The road to Marble Pass is awful. <laughs> it is one of the worst roads in this fair state of Oregon. I'd put it up against anything. Um, anything else in the state, even the route between like Summit Lake and Crescent Lake. I mean, like if you wanted to make a list, I would worst, agree. Yeah. The worst roads in Oregon. Uh, this one is on the list. There's a, there is a shuttle supposedly that exists. I talked to the guy who was kind of a long time ago, but he did mountain bike tours. Cause this is not all uh -huh. in the wilderness. Do you know if they, is he still running shuttles up there? You know, I don't know. I was, I'm supposed to do the Elkhorn Crest trail here, uh, in the fall. And mm -hmm. so we were gonna maybe see about if someone offers a shuttle or we were just gonna go down to um i think it's twin lakes mm -hmm. um and just uh do the car there because we tried to get up to marble pass <laughs> last time we were there and we did not make it I, I don't even think we made it a mile up the road yeah um before we're like this is way too sketchy so it's 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 pretty it's pretty next level and so yeah that's right you can come in through the twin lakes you can start over at anthony like there, there's a bunch of different ways that you can do the elkhorn yeah. crest but if you do the entire thing all 23 miles it's such a cool trip it's you know I did, mm -hmm. I did three days and really took my time um you can climb rock creek butte the tallest point in uh there it's like a little scramble that's just off the trail but yeah can't can't recommend it highly enough. You'll get that. When you get there, uh, you're you're going to enjoy it. Um, so it's range tour and shuttle is what I wrote down in a story I did a while ago. They still have a okay. website, um, and I think it's mostly for mountain bike tours. Like they do little mountain bike tours up there, and but I think they would take you to the top, or at least they did when I wrote the story. So I don't know. Okay, we'll have to look into that. We'll give that a shot. So all right, we're to your third pick. So where are you bringing us on your third pick? Yeah. So I'm moving into August now. Um, August is a great time to hike the Timberline Loop. Oh, wow. This okay. is a, yeah. <laughs> this is a 41-mile-long trail that circumnavigates Mount Hood, Oregon's tallest mountain. So I love this loop because you get to see Mount Hood from all sides, which is incredible. And the trail just gives you a bit of everything. There are really beautiful wildflower meadows, lots of rivers and creeks, lush old growth forest, and there's even a few alpine lake side excursions that you can do if you really want to take your time. And the views on this hike are just absolutely incredible. You not only see Mount Hood the entire way, you also have views to the south of Mount Jefferson and the Three Sisters. And you'll get to see Mount St. Helens as well as Mount Adams to the north. So I, first of all, I'm, I'm jealous because I've never done the Timberline Trail. I don't know. I have like, I'm not going to say I'm an aversion to Mount Hood, but I've like, I pick my spots with Mount Hood very carefully because I, yeah. I don't like the crowds. So the Timberline Trail, like, did that take a lot of planning to, to pull off or was it easy enough to just, all right, I'm packing for this many days. I'm starting at this trailhead and you can just do it. Like, is it? that simple? Yeah, I think so. I mean, that's what we did. Um, there wasn't really that much planning except for, you know, how many miles do we want to go each day? And we kind of just knew where we were going to camp every night. Mm -hmm. um, something I will mention about the Timberline Loop, though, are the the creek crossings, they can be pretty major. Yeah. Um, so that's why I recommend August, preferably even the end of August. Um, although then you kind of miss the wildflowers, but the creek crossings are much milder the later that you go in the season. Yeah. I mean, that was the reason it was a few years ago where they sort of announced that it was once again, like a trail, whereas before it had been washed out in so many places and so many times mm -hmm. that like it was, oh, it was like more of a segment kind of a thing. Did you start at, at Timberline Lodge or did you start somewhere else? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Timberline Lodge. Yep. Okay. Well, I'm jealous. I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to find some time to do that. But there's so many trailheads you can like yeah. different trailheads you can start from depending on where in the state you're coming from. You don't have to drive all the way to Timberline Lodge. Is there a specific trail like map just for that trail? Like, is there, cause I'm thinking of like the reason I asked about complexity is like the, the Wonderland trail up on mm. Rainier is like, the equivalent to it but like on that one you need like 
uh, permits that it's impossible to get. Right. There's like so much that goes into it. And Timberline's like a, just a scaled down version of that, it sounds like. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, I just used the regular like National Geographic Mount Hood, mm-hmm. like wilderness map, and it has it on there. Okay. All right. So I'm going to jump into my third pick and... Uh, you were, you brought us out to the lower elevations in the Wallawa mountains. So I'm going to take us into the higher elevations for the Wallawas because I think I found that late July, early August is, is like mm-hmm. prime time. That's when the, the wildflowers are popping, but everything is more or less melted out. Um, and there's a million different things that you could do. I mean, the Wallawa, like the Eagle Cap wilderness, I, I'm going to say that it's the best backpacking area in the state. That's, I mean, you'd have maybe mm-hmm. some competition from the three sisters, but that's, that's just. That's my opinion. It's just all so good. Um, yeah. So I wasn't sure exactly which route to, you know, the lakes basin um, is obviously a popular one. Getting into Glacier Lake is is spectacular. But of all the places I've gone there, I can never get this trip out of my mind. And that is Ice Lake up to the Matterhorn. <laughs> and I mean, the trip just has it all. It has the Alpine Lake, you know, at almost 8,000 feet. Uh, it, it takes you past what's arguably Oregon's tallest waterfall and then uh, past two of the tallest peaks in the Wallawas and you can climb them pretty easily. And it just it just has everything in one trip. You can do it. I did it three days, two nights. I've known people who do the entire thing uh, in one in one day, like the really crazy people. But I oh, think gosh. I know, I know, I know. But those are like <laughs> those are like the lunatics who like run 100 miles for fun and stuff like that. So um I think over all totaled, it is it's in the neighborhood of 20 miles and 5,500 feet of climb if you bring everything. But let's break it down a little bit. So the trip begins at the popular Wallawa Lake campground and trailhead just past Joseph and Enterprise, the very touristy area. We've talked about that plenty of times. We did a full podcast on the area. So if you want more on that, you can get it there. But it's a pretty popular spot. So I would go midweek. That's that's when I've done my trips into this area. So let's see. So this trip begins along the West Fork Wallawa River before, you know, you, you reach that that junction and starts charging uphill. Um, it climbs 3000 feet. And with the pack on your back, it's yeah, it's 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 heavy. But you do get views of Adam Creek Falls. And now I don't want to take like derail this podcast and like jump into this. But there's some debate about this. This is actually the tallest waterfall in Oregon. Like that, that case oh, is wow. made. So the thing is, it's just like, it depends where you think about where it's separated in its tiers. And I guess if you consider it like one waterfall, it's actually taller than Multnomah Falls. But then there's like tiers to it. So who knows? And I'm not going to go down that <laughs> rabbit hole. But if you look around the internet and you talk to people, there are some some passionate debates about that subject. Uh, but Adam Creek Falls, it's really cool. You can actually hike and get close to it. However, I was when you're carrying, you know, a pack up 3000 feet in a day, like, you know, a lot of times you're just kind of focused on the destination. Um, So I didn't actually go over into it. Um, Then you get up to the top. Ice Lake is just a stunning lake. Um, And rising up right behind it is the white limestone of the Matterhorn. And then the the kind of darker multicolored Sacagawea Peak. And so the, the trip is, you know, you set up your camp there you know, sleep, relax, you know, get your strength back, have dinner. And then in the morning, there's a just a fantastic trail that goes from Ice Lake up to the top of the Matterhorn. And man, that stretch of trail is is something else. Uh, I mean, just the bright white limestone spread out below these above these wildflower meadows. There's like, you know, these pure little alpine pools just below the summit. It's so good. And I mean, I could go on and on and then you can cut across over to Sacagawea. They're kind of considered, you know, Matterhorn here. Sacagawea is just a little bit taller. Um, and that is, I think, the sixth tallest mountain in Oregon. But you get up there, you're at about 9,700 feet. And the views up there are as good as you can imagine. Um, so that's my favorites um, of the trips in the Eagle Cap. And yeah, have you, you've been out into that lake space in area, haven't you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I did some at Matterhorn. Uh absolutely the view is incredible Mm -hmm. like just we were hanging out at the summit and all of a sudden a mountain goat just (laughs) pops up out of nowhere just on top of the summit and we're just in awe and it incredible experience i love those mountain goats because they're just so unbothered by your presence yeah they're just like whatever i'm I'm gonna do my thing and 
and yeah did you was there the little like i there was a lake that we went past on the way up it's not a real lake but it was like a little snowmelt pool just below yes. the summit uh, we named it yep. ice cube lake you know just being on the top <laughs> it was so cold uh, okay so that, nice. that is that there all the time um so we went in like mid-july so um i don't know if it's there later in the season mm-hmm. but it was there when we were there okay cool well, yeah, I can't wait to get back. It's been a while. That was actually the trip that I took right before my first daughter was born. So, geez, that was, oh, wow. that was eight years ago. Um, so I got to get back up there. Um, but anyway, okay. So you, we've reached number four. Um, so for yeah. year number four, hike, I hadn't heard of this one. So I'm excited to, to learn about this one. Um, yeah. So another great trip for the month of August is in the Three Sisters Wilderness, so you will need one of those special Central Cascades wilderness permits ahead of time that we talked about. Um, but this loop starts at Elk Lake PCT Trailhead, which generally has plenty of overnight permits available. Um, so this loop doesn't have an official name. I just strung together a bunch of trails on the map that made a really awesome 27 mile loop. And uh, the first part of it, has you going southbound on the Pacific Crest Trail. So if you're hiking this in August, you'll likely see quite a lot of people on the PCT. But once you get off the PCT onto Porky Lake Trail that takes you down to Mink Lake, you likely won't see many people. I didn't see a single person. So Mink Lake, I I was sure I was going to see other campers there. Not a single person there. And uh, it's a really big lake and has awesome, like really a lot of awesome established campsites just right there on the lake. And from Mink Lake, so that's where I recommend camping on night one. And then from Mink Lake, you can um, get onto the McBee Trail, which um, on that trail, you will pass something like 10 lakes that are actually named on the map. They have names. And then countless more little bodies of water that aren't named. So you're just passing by water left and right. Um, And this is why going in mid to late August is, or even later in the season, is a must. Because any earlier and you would just get eaten alive by mosquitoes. You just can't go there in July. (laughs) Just don't. Um, So from Mink Lake to Horse Lake, it's uh, 9.7 miles. And then Horse Lake is a really great place. I highly recommend camping there for your second night of this trip. There is a nice rocky peninsula that goes out into the lake. And from there, you can sit and watch the lake, feel the breeze, and you can see South Sister across the lake. Really beautiful. And um, I've been to Horse Lake twice now in like the height of the busy summer season. I've never seen anyone there. Wow. And then um, after spending the night at Horse Lake, you'll just take the Horse Lake Trail four miles back to Elk Lake Trailhead. So it's a really easy and relatively accessible loop, which I love. Yeah. And, you know, I hadn't heard of it. And, you know, it doesn't feel like I mean, when you talk about the three sisters, like so often those permits are are the the hardest to get because I mean, if Mm -hmm. you know, we, we say the Eagle camp is probably the best overall backpacking spot. I mean, close second is probably the three sisters, but three sisters is also a lot more popular. Um, so yeah, well, it's just more accessible. Yeah. Eagle cap is so far away. Yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. And, but like you talking about, uh, all these places and not seeing people back there and it's still being really good. Uh, that's pretty mm-hmm. cool. Like you don't hear about that, yeah. that often in the Three Sisters. So yeah. nice. I like it. Do you you got to make up a name for it though? You got to you got to give it some kind of like. <laughs> well, I mean, I I kind of named it Mink Lake Horse Lake Loop. <laughs> sure. Okay, I'm just saying, like I like I could I love the name the the Porky Lake Trail. So I don't oh, know. Oh yeah, maybe Porky maybe Lake Trail. The, the... Well, because you pass Porky Lake, yeah, it's <laughs> non-significant. It's actually just looks like a mosquito. A mosquito breeding lake. <laughs> yeah, sure. Well, that's so it's so funny how often that's the case. And in fact, my fourth pick has that exact same thing. Um, so, all right, I'm going to jump into mine. And I'm, this is also a very much an August trip because I'm going to go to the Mount Jefferson Wilderness. Um, again, it's one I don't really go there until later <laughs> August just because of the mosquitoes. Mm-hmm. Um, so the place I, it's hard for me to pick a favorite 
in the Mount Jeff wilderness. It's kind of my backyard wilderness. It's the one I can get to in like an hour and change from my house. And so I've been to pretty much all of them. There's a million places to backpack back there. Jefferson Park, Eight Lakes Basin, Duffy or Sandy. I'm like, there's a million great combinations in the Jefferson wilderness. Um, although, you know, you need that permit. The trip I guess I'm going to highlight today is on the east side of the Jefferson. And I went there for the first time uh, last fall. And it was the route to Carl Lake and then either a climb of South Cinder Cone or a second night at Table Lake. So it's kind of in the northeastern part of the wilderness. You access it kind of from the sister side. I really liked it, though. So basically, it's a five-mile hike into Carl Lake from the Cabot Lake Trailhead, which kind of like you were talking about is this insignificant little mosquito breeding lake that somehow <laughs> got the trailhead named after it. Um, so that's where you get your permit from. You look for the Cabot Lake Trailhead. Um and then you hike past it and you get to Carl Lake in about five miles. And Carl Lake is is spectacular, really beautiful cliff walled lake, some really good campsites. Um, if you get one on the east side of the lake, it's fantastic because when the sun rises, like you get this just great show on the cliffs because there's almost nothing behind it. Um, if I can describe that. So the sun like rises and then it hits the the side of the lake and it just changes color like it goes from like dark purple to kind of like a bright orange and then to kind of like a yellow like you can like watch the sun like go through its phases in the morning it's kind of a cool uh thing and from carl lake there's options you can take so if you head north another five miles uh great views of mount jefferson um and you get to very different but also very unique table lake which is this deep deep blue very blue striking lake um, it's pretty different from Carl Lake, but it's really interesting. And people who love the Jefferson uh, love Table Lake. It's kind of like a, a connoisseur's lake back there. Um, Carl Lake has the better fishing. Uh, that's my, kind of my thing uh, during this time of year is just backpacking into lakes and fishing. Carl Lake is the better fishing, but Table Lake is really unique. Uh, so worth checking out. So you can camp there and then head back. There's a route called the Jefferson Lake Trail that you could follow to try and make a loop if you did a shuttle. But I I looked into that and I wasn't crazy about it. Uh, so I would just go Carl Lake to Table Lake and then maybe back out. If you want to add a really fun scramble climb to it, uh, not too far away, there is uh, Cone. Uh, there is South Cinder Cone. Um, and that takes you up to about 7,500 feet. It's not a particularly hard climb. And scramble. There's there's a trail that goes up the whole way, but it's really cool. It's basically like a, you know, it's a cinder cone is what it is. And so you climb to the top of it, and the views are spectacular of that part of the Jefferson Wilderness. I think overall we're, you're looking at between 15 to 20 miles. Uh, so it kind of depends on how you want to do it. But that's what I've got. Have you been out to that part of the Jefferson? Yeah. So South Cinder Cone is. Um part of my Oregon's best views book mm. and the it's the view of Jefferson from there is insane yeah. I I absolutely loved it and very unique too you don't see a lot of because you get those pictures of Jefferson that you see you know the popular from mm -hmm. the popular locations you see those left and right this is not a angle of Jefferson that you see very often yeah no, totally. Did I, did you, did, so I'm just curious if you saw the story I had on the plane crash on South Cindercone. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So that was, that La was, you're one of the few people. Yeah. Last year. Uh, yeah. You're one of the few people who could do that. So, I mean, just, I think I've told this story on the podcast before, but like I, when I did this, this climb, there was a plane crash that had happened just days earlier and the family was having all kinds of trouble, like getting it airlifted because it's the middle of a wilderness. You need a helicopter right. to come in and pull it out. And they were really struggling. So I wrote a story on it. And then this guy called Heavy D, um, who is a show called Diesel Brothers, um, just one of those kind of like shows, really nice guy came in and did it for free and did and filmed it and filmed the whole wow. thing. And it's really worth watching because you get to watch them come into South Cindercone in these big airplanes, like fold up the remains of of the crash and airlifted out and you watch it all That's happen so cool. it was a surreal experience i was trying to i like i thought it was an old crash but it turns out it was pretty new so it was um it was not an experience you expect when you're like way deep in the wilderness um but yeah but yeah okay so that was my number four we are on the home stretch heading into number five uh so what you got okay so i am moving on to the month of september which is one of my favorite times of year to visit the Diamond Peak Wilderness. 
There isn't an official Diamond Peak loop per se. It's really just a bunch of trails that connect together that circumnavigate Diamond Peak. And there's a few variations you can do to make it longer or shorter if you want to. But my favorite route is 34 miles long and it starts at Pangra Pass PCT Trailhead. So if you head northbound on the Pacific Crest Trail, you'll pass a ton of lakes, Midnight Lake, Hidden Lake, Urine Lake, some of my favorites in that area. From the PCT, you'll connect to the Mount Urine Trail where you will see Divide Lake and Notch Lake. And this whole area, if you go in early September, it still has a lot of huckleberries. I mean, there's just huckleberry bushes for miles along this route. And um, it's such a treat to snack on these berries during a long backpacking trip. And then from Notch Lake, you'll take the Diamond Peak Thai Trail, which before I did this loop, I'd never even heard of this trail. Um, and this trail takes you around the west side of Diamond Peak. And it passes little side trails that take you to little lakes like Happy Lake, Blue Lake, Corrigan Lake, Marie Lake, and Rock Pile Lake. If you want to make the loop a bit shorter, so Rock Pile Lake is um, a really good overnight spot. Um, that's one of my favorite lakes. Uh, just tons of camping there and swimming opportunities and stuff like that. So if you want to make the loop a little bit shorter or if you want to do a side trip and summit Diamond Peak while you're there, uh, shortly after Rock Pile Lake, you would head back via the Pacific Crest Trail and go northbound. Otherwise, if you want to do the 34 mile loop, you'll get on the Crater Butte Trail for uh, 4.8 miles and then take a left on the Whitefish Creek Trail. On this trail, you will pass my personal favorite along this route, Diamond View Lake, a super shallow lake that is just absolutely unswimmable, <laughs> but has the most beautiful sunrise reflections of Diamond Peak I have ever seen. This lake really doesn't get talked about much in the hiking community, but it's definitely worth spending the night at so you can see that sunrise. And then from Diamond View Lake, it's a really easy 6.2 mile hike back to your trailhead. And that's the loop. Okay. So my first question is, so you must have this mapped out on Hike Oregon, I right? do. Okay. Cause yeah. it, it's... No, I, I don't actually have it on the website. <laughs> okay. But like we could find it somehow. Like, like if, if yes. you wanted to do this, like you could help make that happen. Yes, right. And if you listen to this podcast and you have a map, I just explained the whole route. So follow along. It's funny. It sounds like it's like a, a like um, a version of like the Timberline Trail, like but yeah, that you wanted to create like around Diamond Peak because I know your your Diamond Peak is kind of your mountain, isn't it? I love it. Yeah, and there's there's so much to see there, and like I said, you can make this loop shorter or longer by adding things or um, taking that PCT shortcut. Okay, so I'm going to wrap up with, uh, I'm going to bring us back down to Southern Oregon. And this is a place that you kind of mentioned indirectly, I'm pretty sure, but I'm going to kind of get more into it. And again, good years to highlight Southern Oregon. Um, and so I'm going to pick an area that I really used to love backpacking when I lived in Southern Oregon. That's kind of where I got my start as an outdoor reporter. And that is in the Sky Lakes wilderness. It's just south of Crater Lake. And one of the big highlights is you know you've got the pacific crest trail it's home to mount mclaughlin the tallest peak in southern oregon and if you've never climbed mount mclaughlin it's it's a great one it's pretty straightforward mm -hmm. you know you can you know there's got an obvious trailhead you can do it from the from there but from the top you get an overview of all the different lakes and there are so many different lakes in the sky lakes wilderness i think i counted 85 named lakes at one wow. point i don't know if that's specific but that's what i came up with when i undertook that task um so there's kind of three main backpacking basins in the Sky Lakes. Uh, there's Blue Canyon, there's the Seven Lakes, and then the Sky Lakes. They're kind of all great, and it's pretty tough to pick just one, but they're good for different things. Like if you're with kids, I'd go with Blue Canyon uh, for sure. I think Seven Lakes has my favorite viewpoints at the top from Devil's Peak. Um and a pretty good 14 to 16 mile backpacking options. For some reason, I just decided to go with the Sky Lakes Basin, um, largely because there's a lake I want to camp at. Uh, I've been there before, but I haven't camped there before. And it's Lake Marguerite. 
Um, it's one of the prettiest lakes I can remember. Just turquoise water, like nice swimming, good campsites. And so I guess my final pick here is going to be the Sky Lakes Basin. Uh, the most obvious place to reach it is via the excellently named Nanny Trailhead. And that's going to take you up past Puck Lake. And then it brings you into the basin where you can do a lollipop loop of like 17 miles. It brings you past, again, like 10 named lakes up and over Luther Mountain. Um, but again, I think the most scenic of the bunch, if you're going to do like, it could be a good like two day, one night backpacking trip. And the one that I would pick is the Trapper or Lake Marguerite area and pick up a campsite. There's so many places in there that there's you can't go wrong. But yeah, have you you, you must have been through the Sky Lakes there but have you explored it in in much detail yeah so i went to the sky lakes when i was doing my lakes of the cascades book research mm -hmm. and i went there um in august and then not sorry i went there in july and then i went back in october and man i tell you the fall colors in october yeah yeah were insane and there was no people i think we saw one group of campers the whole time we were in that area and oh it was beautiful and still stunning weather like mm -hmm. it got chilly at night but man sunny gorgeous days not too hot and the lakes i yeah we saw lake marguerite and you're right that turquoise water yeah. looks tropical you just want to jump in yeah yeah well it's so funny that you mentioned fall because this is where like i spent a lot of time in the sky lakes um both for my first book and just because i lived down there i had a lot of time on my hands then and so i just would go camping and and fishing and swimming all the time out in the sky lakes and yeah I, i'd almost forgotten about that fall color that really pops mm. how was your trip in july because this area i mean like a lot of places in the cascades are notorious for mosquitoes but this place is like notorious notorious how was july you know, I, I don't know if it was the year that we went, but we went, I think we went like July 1st through like the 5th or something. Like absolutely no, no time to go. Mm -hmm. <laughs> For some reason, there were zero mosquitoes. I don't know. We must have just gotten lucky. Like we were there the few days between hatches or something, but we had zero issues, I which is so... It's so bizarre. I, I can't explain it, but we got really lucky on that trip. That is, you, you did get lucky because I remember my first time <laughs> in the Sky Lakes. I think I went in there. It was either late June or July or sometime, which again, it's normally like you used to want to stay away from it. The mosquitoes were so bad. I just resorted, like I, I made my camp and it was so bad. I resorted to just like hiding in the water from them mm -hmm. like, to try to get away from them. And it was so bad. I actually packed up and left because i was just like you know oh, wow i don't I'm, I'm just not into it so that was my first experience in the sky lake i did come back and there's like no mosquitoes and i think that because it's southern oregon it does keep that really nice fall weather just a little bit longer yeah. than we get it up north so just a magic place in the fall okay yeah. so we've got some honorable mentions um just because you know we can't just do 10 um gotta do a few more uh so what, hit me with a couple other ones before we uh sign yeah. off here yeah, so I got I got three more really quick, short. Um, so the first one is the Middle to Lower Metolius River Trail. It's not actually a trail, like you're not on single track trail, but it's most it mostly takes you along like an old dirt road. Um, so it's kind of nice for hiking if you're like hiking with some friends or dogs or kids because you kind of get to hike next to each other versus like in a line. Um, and it's really wild and peaceful the further you get away from the campgrounds. So you can do this point to point if you shuttle two cars or get a ride. And it's 20 miles from Lower Bridge Campground to Perry South Campground, which is near Lake Billy Chinook. And it's just the whole time you're along the beautiful Metolius River. And this is another really great early season backpacking trip since it's generally snow free starting in like mid-May. Yeah. And then um, another honorable mention I have is the Middle Fork National Recreation Trail, which takes you from Sand Prairie Campground just south of Oak Ridge up to Timpanogos Lake. And point to point, this hike is 30 miles long and is really beautiful, remote, and very wild trail. 
I recommend doing it a little bit later in the season though, because right at the end, about a mile before Timpanogos, so you're like almost at, you're almost done with your hike, um, you have to cross the Middle Fork Willamette River. And there's no bridge, unfortunately, so it can be kind of dangerous to cross if you go anytime like before mid-August or yep. so. Yeah. Okay. But beautiful, beautiful fall hike. And then last but not least, I have to mention the Strawberry Mountain Wilderness which is located south of Prairie City in eastern Oregon. My favorite way to explore this area is to set up kind of like a base camp, backpack up to Strawberry Lake, set up your base camp, and do day excursions from there because there's so much to explore. You can summit 9,000-foot tall Strawberry Mountain. You can hike up to Slide Lake and High Lake. Or you can do a little loop over to what's called the Wildcat Basin. Mm -hmm. And this uh, area is really gorgeous to um, go to in the fall because there are tons of large trees which turn bright yellow around early October. Yeah, uh, the strawberries are are one of the best. It was one of the ones I definitely considered having on there. You didn't mention, though, my favorite little lake and their little strawberry lake, which is one yes. of the coolest little alpine spot like little alpine lakes it it's just definitely it's just it's almost like they there was like a full mountain range and they just like put in a tiny little punch like right in between and it's it's so tight and then strawberry uh strawberry falls um is up there too yes on the way to little strawberry lake yeah yeah, yeah. and yeah. all of that i guess is on the way to if you want to summit strawberry yeah. mountain so yeah yeah that i like the way of doing that because like i i did a backpacking trip there a number of years ago and i started at high lake or the mm. uh, at the high lake trailhead like the you know so you're way up there and then you kind of drop down and you do the loop it was fine but i i kind of like the idea of just camping out at strawberry lake and kind of saving mm -hmm. um i actually got to see the eclipse there um oh wow so that was a cool a cool place to, to see the eclipse there's like a fun group there and everybody cheered and stuff when the whole lake went dark and then uh, oh cool it was just like it was an interesting experience too because like that was if you remember it's 2017 it's when the whitewater fire and the millie fire were just blanketing smoke over yeah. the Jefferson area like everybody planned to go to Jefferson Park but it was so smoked in I was like oh man I'm gonna escape the smoke and headed west or headed east and uh Strawberry Lake Basin okay so that was your honorable mentions uh I'm gonna throw in just a couple um I'm gonna mention a podcast we did last summer called the best kids backpacking trips in Oregon uh, so that laid out something like 15 easier backpacking trips, ideal for kids or just adults that don't want, uh, you know, a super major, you know, 20, 30 mile challenge. Uh, we even had a few kids on the podcast uh, to get their perspective <laughs> on what makes a good kids backpacking trip. Uh, but a few we mentioned in that one, you know, standbys are Pamelia and Marion Lakes in the uh, in Marion Lake in the Jefferson Wilderness, uh, Matthew and Linton Lakes and the Sisters and then Bobby Lake in the Waldo Lake area. Those are all permit hikes, but those are ones I've done with my kids and they love them. Uh, my honorable mention, another one has to be Jefferson Park uh, in the Jefferson Wilderness, probably, you know, one of the most famous backpacking sites in the state. It officially reopened last year because you could get access to it via the PCT. Um, it's the same situation this year. You can't go in via Whitewater Trailhead or Brighton Bush Trailhead. So from the, the normal access points, you have to start at a place like Pamelia or Woodpecker Trailhead because those are the ones that are currently open. And you have to get a permit for Jefferson Park from like one of those open trailheads. So Pamelia is the most obvious, but you just need a permit. It's from a different place, but you can still go up to Jefferson Park. So that's that's the deal with that one because the wilderness is entirely open, but the roads to the trailheads aren't. So it's kind of a funky situation. And that is the situation there. Um, all right. So we've talked about a lot of great backpacking trips. Um, I've once again been joined by Francisca Weinheimer of the website Hike Oregon, which you need to 100% check out. She also has a podcast. So do a quick plug on your podcast. Yeah. So it's called the Hikers Anonymous Podcast. And I basically just feature people's inspirational stories about how the outdoors has positively impacted their lives, um, whether they've gone through some hardships and then come out the other side um, via, you know, help from hiking, backpacking or any sort of outdoor activity. So that's been really a fun, inspirational 
new thing that I'm doing. I started it in January. So. All right. And it's, so it's the Hikers Anonymous podcast. Correct. And we can find that in like Apple and SoundCloud yep. and stuff like that. Yep. Okay. We'll have to check that out. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to do this. I will have to make sure to do it again next year. <laughs> and uh, yeah, once again, Franziska Weinheimer with Hike Oregon. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you so much. All right. Well, that's about all the time we have left in today's show. If you liked what you've heard, check out our catalog of more than 60 episodes featuring Oregon's most beautiful and interesting places at statesmanjournal.com slash explore, along with Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, and Spotify. We'd once again like to thank our sponsors, beginning with the American Forest Resources Council. AFRC supports responsible forestry on public lands throughout the Pacific Northwest for our environment, for our economy, and for the future. Learn more at amforests.org. We'd also like to thank Visit Tillamook Coast. If you want to plan a trip out there, you can check out their outdoor recreation map that shows all the places to hike, swim, boat, and camp. You can find that map at tillamookcoast.com slash recreation hyphen map. Once again, that's tillamookcoast.com slash recreation hyphen map. And thanks to the Oregon Parks and Recreation Department, which stresses the importance of recreating responsibly and leaving no trace in Oregon's outdoors. Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll join us next time for the next edition of the Explore Oregon podcast.